Hi, and welcome to this episode of Our Guest Is, presented by My East Coast Experience Media in partnership with RBC. Our Guest Is introduces us to a resilient group of people typically called immigrants, but perhaps better described as entrepreneurs, community builders, and survivors. In each episode, we'll be hearing all about their journeys to Canada's East Coast in their own words. Today, our guest is Mary Navas, originally from Honduras. You came to Halifax in 2015 to attend St. Mary's University. And while you were there, you were elected president of the SMU Students Association, where you received a Bachelor of Commerce from SMU. You volunteer with a lot of organizations, Habitat for Humanity, YMCA, and Students Nova Scotia, to name a few. And you're currently an associate with National Public Relations. Thank you for coming and joining us. Thank you for having me. I read something very interesting about you online uh, in relation to your career and that you met uh, someone that you work with at National PR by just shaking her hand and saying, I'm going to work for you one day. I mean, where does that come from? Who are you? (laughs) I know. It was a risky move for sure. I. I knew I wanted to work at National the day I stepped foot inside their office. It's just a beautiful space. If you've been to their office, it's amazing. But the people are so welcoming and so nice that I was doing my uh, market research, you know, looking like, what do I want to do next after after SMU? And then stepped foot at National, and then I saw it was Catherine Tector. Mm-hmm. She was the vice president. And then I was like, I'll be working here after I graduated. And she was like, Okay. <laughs> no, but that came from a lot of work in the mm-hmm. past, a lot of resilience and work. And I was like, that's where the confidence comes from sometimes. Were you born with that confidence? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I, no, I was, uh, I was bullied, actually, when I was um, in middle school and elementary, like big, big time bullied. And then um, I moved um, to the United States, Virginia Beach, for a year. And then that's where I was like in a new place and I built kind of like my myself again. And when I came back to my old school, I had a little bit more of confidence and that's where it all started. And then I played soccer. Sports always helped and became the captain there and then started building that confidence. But it no, it was a rough patch in the beginning for sure. What what was the experience like being bullied and, and how did that help you with your journey to Atlanta, Canada? Oh, um, it was definitely part of my journey. And I, I read, a, actually I wrote an essay when I was in um, eighth grade about it. And I can't remember what my mom always shows to me, but she always cries when she reads it. But it was, um, it, it it teaches you, like mm-hmm. bullying teaches you, you know, and, and it builds who you are. Like, it, like everything that you go through live builds the person who you are today. And it was, it was definitely, it, it, it built my kind of like strength, my charisma, my, you know, like the, the, the person I am today because if it shows you, you mean how to deal with people and, mm-hmm. and how to get negative um, kind of like backlash and how to get negative comments sometimes and how do you have to like sometimes block them and make sure that's not you and and be certain of yourself. Some resilience, I yeah. guess, too, right? And, and that's definite in moving to a new place. And I mean, you had some experience, though, if you moved to the States for a year. Oh, yeah. It kind of did it prepare you for coming to Canada? A hundred percent. I moved to the States in sixth grade, so I was still younger. Oh, yeah. um, only for a year, though. Um, and I didn't know anyone just like when I came to Canada. And then I was the only Latina in that school, I remember. And it was, it's difficult. Um, but then it's just like, you know, you have to be, know who you are and then who your friends are and then what you want to do and just 
kind of set your eyes to that gold. But yeah, resilience is a big part of who I am right now. It must not be hard for you to make new friends then. It, it was in the beginning, um, but now they're like, hey, you're like friends with everyone. Everyone loves you. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I love everyone. And I, but it, it's, it has helped me to identify who my real friends are. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. So your aunt lives in Calgary currently. And, yeah. And she was sort of the one to make the kind of push to, you should come to Canada. You should study in Canada for university. And um, reading a little bit about your background and, and coming here to your parents came with you to sort of help you settle in. Um, how important is, is your family support to you? Oh, it's the most important family for me is everything like family comes first no matter what and it was it's true I I first applied when I graduated actually high school in 2014 so I took a gap year before coming here because I I applied to go to the um, U.S. actually to Texas and Florida nothing against Texas and Florida (laughs) but but I knew it was going to be almost the same routine for me you know like Mm -hmm. I have friends going there it's a very big Latin community Mm -hmm. it's very kind of like what you always kind of do and people you see. So I was like, I want something that's going to, you know, like, like change me, motivate me, like, or, or, or like make me kind of like move and, and go forward. And my aunt who lived in Calgary, she was like, why don't you try Canada? And I'm like, hmm, igloos, penguins, snow. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what, you, you know, that's totally what, when you, when you live in a, in a, Latin American country and it's very hot yeah. all year round. That's what you think of Canada. And I can understand. Yeah. That, yes. And then I was like, I don't know. But then um, fell in love with Nova Scotia. Actually, I did some um, search and I was like, I'm not going to move to Calgary exactly mm-hmm. when it's currently minus thirty. I think it's, it's yeah. cold. Yeah. Um, but then I was doing some research and I'm like, Halifax popped in. It was like, bite the water. You know, the ocean playground, young city, four un- four to five universities. Mm-hmm. It's like, this seems cool. And then yeah. did some research um, and then looked at SMU and looked at Dal. At that time, SMU was really well known for their, and still well known for their Toby School of Business. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me just apply. I just, and then I was like, St. Mary's, Mary, that must be a sign. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a sign. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, ended up here. Wow. And so what did your parents think when they came here with you? Were they like, uh, what are you doing? It was, or, yeah, yeah, 100%. They were like, we support you. Yeah. But what are you doing? <laughs> like, are you sure? <laughs> um, my mom actually came. My dad had to stay. He okay. came later afterwards to, to come and settle and visit me. But when my mom and I came, I remember we arrived late at night. It was dark. It was September. And then we took a cab to the Atlantica Hotel, which mm-hmm. is they, they partner with SMU to get special rates when students are moving in. And it's just in Roby Street. So it's just kind of like the same street at SMU. You know, it goes straight up. Nothing open. Only, um, I remember Little Freeman's was the first restaurant. Yeah. I came in at yeah. 11 p.m. And then we had pizza there. And they ID'd me. And I'm like, I promise I'm over 19. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, it all went uphill from there. So the real reason why you came to Canada is because the legal drinking age is 19 and not 21 in the States, um, right? To be honest, <laughs> back home, it's kind of like way, very younger than that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So like back home, you start legally at 18. Okay. Um, but illegally at 15. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. You see very young people at bars. Um, so, And I feel like international students know that and feel that. Yeah. Um, we, when we come here and if they're not, yeah. It's not much regulation sometimes in other countries. <laughs> no judgment. Yeah. <laughs> when you started your studies at SMU, um, you had mentioned in a previous interview that you noticed a lack of diversity around the campus. 
So how were you feeling at that time? So scared. Mm-hmm. I When I stepped foot at Sweden, I was like, there was, it's a small school, which is, has its benefits, but also like sometimes it's scary because it's sometimes so small. And sometimes small feels very comfort for you, do you mean? But so when I stepped in, there was a lot of them were just Canadians, do you know what I mean? Or maybe not Canadians, but what you describe as a, a white person, do you know what I mean? And yeah. not much of a diversity in that aspect. So when I walked in, I was like, where are the international students? Like, where are my people? <laughs> um, and I was like, did I make the wrong decision? Mm-hmm. And, and I was scared. And I remember my mom telling me, stay, give it a year. And if you still don't like it in a year, doors are always welcome back home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then I stayed and I didn't come back. You made some friends. I made some friends. <laughs> Welcome weeks. I always tell international students, you have to go to those first events, even if it's scary. That's where you meet your first year friends. Yeah. And you are a bit of a mentor for new students. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, international students or just for everyone? For everyone, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but mostly international students because there's different kind of like discrepancies for international students when they come to a new country. didn't mean and when they're coming to a new school. Um some domestic students that are born and raised in Nova Scotia, they feel more at home. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's, um, they have different um, barriers, I would say. Like domestic students, how do we bring them actually to campus and, and be involved in campus? And international students are more like, how do we like expand them and go meet the community? But it's, um, they do have different barriers, but I always, I, I learned and talked and I, I, I learned so much from everyone that in my next year sets me, I, I was a mentor for a lot of them. And it was just like, talk them through the process you know I mean hear them being out and see like where like there's a place for everyone you I mean and that's where you have to find yourself you know I mean like not everyone's gonna love x y and z not mm-hmm. everyone's gonna love this so it's just like where do you fit um in this and and come on Halifax is so diverse you know I mean like I'm pretty sure everyone's gonna find a place where they feel like home yeah yeah what surprised you about Halifax when you were doing your research, you know, Googling pictures? I'm sure all the pictures were like beautiful sunny days and lighthouses and fish jumping out of water or whatever. I mean, but when you, what surprised you, I guess, about uh, being here compared to where you grew up? Yeah, um, actually, lots of things. I feel like I was surprised every day for like the <laughs> first few weeks, but um it was the feeling of freedom, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and I think I mentioned this before, but it was um, when I had the ability to walk outside university to go grocery shopping or to go, you know, um, get some gifts or go shopping mm-hmm. by myself. That was like mind blown, you know, like it was back home. You can't even go one street or one block without being in your car and your car's tinted and no one should know who you are, what, um, and why you're drawing by yourself. So, like me walking by myself here to this podcast, or having the ability yeah. to go by myself and do things, it's it feels it's a freedom. It does. So, what what was it about where you grew up? I mean, what was it a dangerous city? And yeah, yeah. so San Pedro Sula, where I'm from in Honduras, it's um, the so- um, second largest city, um, second most dangerous city in the world. Um, and it, there's a big crime rate, you know, mm. and, and it's not that you're going to go and walk and then there's someone's going to get shot in front of you. No, you just have to be very careful on how you go about your day by day life and how it's born and raised. It, and it's normal for us, you know, but when people tell you or you wouldn't tell people how you go about your life at home, they're like, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's normal for us. But back home, you know, you go out your car, our, all cars are tinted. Some Sometimes they're bulletproof. Um, depends on the status, but all the cars are tinted because 
it's um, if they see a woman like me, yeah. a young woman driving by themselves, it's easier for uh, a kidnapper or someone to, st- or uh, you know, like a thief to stop mm-hmm. you in the middle and then just like rob you because they know you're by yourself. Yeah. So no one should know basically that you're driving by yourself like a vulnerable woman is how mm-hmm. they see it. Um, and another example is like when you go places like grocery shopping or to the pharmacy, you have to park near the entrance because in every entrance there's a security guard. Okay. So that you're closer to the entrance because if you park further away in the parking lot, no one can see you if something yeah. happens. Oh, oh, oh yeah, it's it's way different how you live. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what did your mom think, especially, you know, coming from that sort of environment to here? I mean, did, did your parents assume that Halifax was dangerous as well? No, well, you know, Canada has a good reputation. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, Canada has a good <laughs> reputation, and it's, um, I, we, I don't think we knew much about Halifax and Nova Scotia, if you know what I mean. And I think there is crime here, and, and there might be a little bit more crime than the rest of Canada, as you, you probably see in the news, but it's still very, very low compared to where I come from. Mm-hmm. And they and they know I was raised with um, that environment. They know how I always check my surroundings. I know, know what's best to do and not to do. So they knew I was like, you're born and raised in like this country. You're you're set. Yeah. <laughs> you know where you should be and you yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah, you're basically Liam Neeson. Oh yeah, yeah you've got the skills. Yeah, yeah. That's the, what yeah. my friends tell me. Actually, it's like walking with Marion Knight. It's interesting. <laughs> she always knows what's gonna happen or where you should not walk. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. why people are trying to be your friend all the time. <laughs> yeah. They're like, let's walk with me. I'm like, we're not walking at it. We're driving. <laughs> so obviously, family. You know, going back to to your family and the importance of family and, and their support. I mean, I know you had um, a pretty horrible experience with your father um, contracting COVID. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and how that affected you? Because you were in Halifax when that was happening, right? Yeah, it was. It's one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. And I think when parents and I feel some international and immigrants kind of relate to this when when you have your family at home, they don't want to tell you mm-hmm. anything of the bad news because they know you're away and they know how you feel. And I, all my friends and even um, my, my partner feels that way because they're like, you're so anxious that they don't want to tell you because they feel like you're going to be, you mean like, hurt, but we want to know. And um, during COVID, um, it was, you know, COVID started in May 2020. And then I was supposed, I, I was supposed to graduate in May 2020, but I pushed my graduation to September 2020. I was like, mm-hmm. COVID's going to go away. Right, I'll be yeah. able to cross the stage. Um <laughs> But obviously, um, we we couldn't. So during September, it was actually a few days before my virtual graduation. Uh, my dad contracted COVID, as many other dads around the world and as many other parents. And it was um, at the beginning, we we're like, oh, you know, like looking for symptoms. But then he ended up in the ICU for a few days. Mm. Um, and they told him and they told us he he he's going to die. He can die. And he said, and I. he told me his story right now. I was home actually a few days ago, and he told me the story day by day and his thoughts. And it's just so scary to think about. He knew, like, what would have happened? God forbid. So what would have happened he would have gone? You can't leave the country. You mean, and many students, many immigrants pass through that. You mean, like, they lost loved ones, and you can't leave the country. You can't yeah. go be with your family. And I, I, if I continue speaking, I'll tear up, but it's, it shows the strength that immigrants have in this country and, the, you know, like what we have to go through sometimes. And it's um, it just impresses me how and then what, what we have to go through apart from our daily lives here. But it's um, 
family, I think it's very important. And I think having that flexibility, do you know what I mean, for immigrants when you work here to go home and to go visit, it's so important, do you know what I mean? And having the support from government and support from different organizations where people work, um, to be able to have that, you mean like flexibility to go home it's it's so important and I know like at national I'm very grateful for that um, that they give me that support back to that resilience yeah. too of, <laughs> of having to be here and you know what's going on oh yeah you know it takes a whole yeah. other strength you know what I mean like you, have, you need to have your daily strength to go to work to do everything you want to do but you also have to have that internal you know strength to to know that your heart is at home and your family's at home and and deal with that and other issues. How's your dad doing now? Oh, he's he's a rock star. Yeah. Like he <laughs> he runs every day. He's yeah, and oh, wow. he plays tennis. He always said like you have to be healthy. It's like health is what like kind of get me going, you know, yeah. like you work out and eat healthy, but he actually said that what saved him was junk food. Um, because yes. I, basically, <laughs> so he was at the hospital and it was the like it was one of the days that it was just like they they didn't know if he was going to pass through another night mm. or not. And that night he called his best friend and he's like, I need you to send me like pescado frito back home, which is like fried fish and, you know, like and plantains. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you need to send me this to the hospital now. And then his friend's like, well, if that's his death wish, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, how do we make this happen? Yeah. Because hospitals with COVID, they were very like, nothing can come in, like contaminated, you mean? Like, and the doctors tell him, if you contaminate something else from the outside world, like, like that can be it. And he's right. like, no, like I can't deal with another hospital food again. Like yeah. this is what's killing me. <laughs> so, um, so they made it happen. They brought him like this big food of junk food, like wrapped and like, yeah, like they put some, I don't know, like spray and then, they, <laughs> and then he ate it. And then he said that night I felt that was alive. And after that wow. day, he started feeling better. Oh my gosh. So eat junk food. Eat junk food. <laughs> Lifts your spirits. Eat, eat what your heart desires. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he's doing better. And I, I do, I, I always tell people like at least once a month, you should indulge in some junk food really just for gut health. Once a month? Really? You know, (laughs) (laughs) just, it's a balance. (laughs) So as a, a, an international student, um, what do you think can be done to encourage more international students to study in Atlanta, Canada and, and not only study here, but stay here? Yeah. Um, well, I know it's been hard um, in the last years. We've um, and government seen this numbers, and we've seen this numbers that people are coming to study here, but they're leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're leaving to other provinces, um, and they're leaving. I hope there's many factors for that. Um, I would like, I will tell international students, you know, like I, I vouch for Nova Scotia always. Like it's this is it's the place to study for sure. You mean, and it's um, you have so many universities, so many opportunities to mean like out the even the professional world out there you mean like there's you can resonate people from your own backgrounds like the immigration here is very high and it's great um but I would say them to like I would encourage them to stay as well like there's right now as we all know Halifax is the second largest like growing city in Canada mm-hmm. do you mean like it's growing so much like I since 2015 it's like amazing how yeah it has changed like the skyline it's grown bigger and like the new businesses coming here there's new non-for-profits new organizations new tech industries just coming and having their home base here because Mm -hmm. they have so many opportunities but i think it's um i think international students want to stay here but it's like the opportunities um sometimes are not there um but they're growing and you know we're we're seeing a change now and i think it's going to happen but 
they international students sometimes they have to leave to yeah. Toronto or to Montreal or to Vancouver because there are more opportunities there and mm. and it's a whole process for you to after you graduate and if you want to get your permanent residency you need to work in a field of your study didn't mean so it's um I think it's uh it goes both ways. There needs to be opportunities in Halifax for um, international students to stay in and for people to open the door for international students. So it's more about job opportunities and less about feeling welcome, yeah, would you say? I, I do. So, like, I think we are very good at um, international students feeling welcome. I think they do feel welcome. I think Halifax, Nova Scotia is really good for that. You mean the government, the organizations, the schools, um, but it's, like, the how they don't start feeling welcome it's when they don't see any opportunities for them mm-hmm. here in the future or they have closing doors didn't mean it and it's hard i understand like we're going through didn't mean like post um pandemic didn't mean a lot of jobs were lost a lot of people are looking for jobs so it's not only halifax i would say but i think we're going there i think the momentum's there right now yeah and i was reading recently too um that dalhousie university in halifax they're proposing a tuition hike for international students, you know, looking to study 16%, uh, raising raising it by 16% more, and, and that would happen in potentially 2023. I mean, just Thank knowing God. that, yeah. I mean, do you think that international students will think twice about studying oh, here? Would yeah. you? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy because <laughs> and, and everyone knows I'm passionate about tuition fees and, and international students and how I feel about universities. And I speak openly about it. But it's since I started in 2015, so when I ended 2020, I started paying for a class. And this is just rough numbers mm-hmm. and estimate. But let's say I started paying for a class $1,000. I ended up paying for a class $600. Like it went up, you know. Like yeah. So the thing is, like, I understand, you know, completely where universities come from that we need to hike international students tuition but you should also hike domestic students tuition you mean like there should be kind of like but then government kind of like protects international um, domestic students so it's kind of like a gray area down there but I feel universities have to be really you mean like have to lay out the budget and I know international students tuition it's a lot large percentage of all universities not just Dalhousie of all universities budget you mean and that's how they sustain themselves sometimes mm-hmm. um so i always vouch for kind of like um predictable tuition is how i call it um and it's saying like when international students start their first year they know what they're paying mm-hmm. and that's what they should be paying for their four or five years you know so like if they want to hike 15 percent, that's bad but they shouldn't hike it for students that are already in their second third year because that um that prevents students from actually finishing their studies, didn't mean? Because it's just like I I had budgeted this for the next two years, so now I have to go home and don't finish my studies because I don't know how to pay for university. Yeah. International students that are coming from outside of the country, they know they're going to be paying for this, so they kind of budget it for that, and they know if this university suited for them or not. Mm -hmm. But that should be the same price they should be paying for the next years. So I am all support about not raising tuition fees to students who are already started their studies internationally because that just creates more barriers for them mm-hmm. and you're just like sending them back or you know getting them in big debt and just flooding them but it's it's yeah and then just sometimes they can't finish their studies so don't support increasing tuition when they're in school but I think there should be a system of like how they can do predictable tuition for all yeah. students coming or some kind of price freeze too and then, then there's the fact that an international student can't 
work more than 20 hours a week. And now that, that was changed. also recent news that that's yeah. changing for temporary, you know, yeah. a, you know, a couple of years or a year. Um, because that is the struggle of, I mean, everyone's dealing with inflation and struggling to buy groceries and pay rent and, and all that. Yeah. But then you put yourself in the shoes of an international student and not only is your tuition potentially going to go up, but you can't work enough hours, hours to pay it off. Oh. And then if you could work more than 20 hours, you have, a, you're a full-time student. You can't have a full-time job. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Discouraging. It's I guess. discouraging yeah. for sure. Like I think people should have flexibility to work full-time if they want to work full-time. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I know a lot of domestic students that work full-time and then went to yeah. school full-time. What happens is that international students can um, work, like can study part-time. So when you come with a, a, st- a study visa, you have to be full time okay. um, in university. So that's kind of like what happens. So it's just harder for them because they have to be full time. You have to take three courses every semester mm-hmm. and you also have to work full time. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, a lot of barriers, um, more barriers for international students for sure that um, we still have to work through. I know. And then, like you said, going into further debt, too, is that's, I mean, a, a burden for everyone. But I could, you know, could not imagine that. Yeah, extra stress of and they're well, not eligible, right? Yeah. for a lot of the financial support from federal government because international students, so like they're not eligible for student loans, for example, um, or stuff like that. So that's I can keep talking through this, but it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's something that I know um, it's going to hopefully change, and, and we're going to work on. Yeah, and and to add that too, that mental health I know is important to you, and yeah. I know that would be an added struggle. If you are an international student, you've got maybe potential debt, you can't work, you, you know, you're maybe feeling a little lonely, um, and that's going to cause some some mental health implications. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I know that's important for you, especially how it affects the younger community, and especially during COVID, mm-hmm. you know, the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, so you know, and, and we just talked about your father and and what that did for you, and I mean, how did the pandemic affect you? Oh, I think it affected everyone in different ways, um, to be honest. But I do feel there there is um, good things that came out of the pandemic, and but there, there's more bad things that came out of the pandemic for sure. But um, I think, like, and, and you saw it here in Nova Scotia, you know, we're stronger together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw it across the world. Like, people started to check on each other, did you mean? Like, more than we did before. Um, I think the pandemic, like, it, it had a lot of mental health replications, especially on young people you know like for example a lot of students were not able to have their high school graduation you mean or mm. celebrate that years like that's so important in someone's you mean move or career move like when you're in high school like you're, it's it's like your last years as a teen yeah. you mean you're going to start right adulthood you mean the yeah. rite of passage and then you wouldn't like you're home for two years mm. um you lost connections with family you mean like people started to get more introverted you know what I mean like like i think it had way different um, implications to young persons than um, newer so it's it's how do we bring it back do you mean like how do we help them transition out of that phase Mm -hmm. I would say like there's a lot of young um, students and then a lot of young people out there that it's just like they're still struggling to to go out there in society do you Mm -hmm. mean or kids like they're like how how do how what's normal anymore Mm -hmm. um and then it's I I think it's supporting them do you mean and meeting people where they are at this point stage in life and it's um understanding that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs for everyone do you mean and there's a lot of going to be a lot of struggles um um, but I think I do think that there's a lot of empathy um that came out of the pandemic do you mean like a lot of people are 
understanding more of each other. A lot of people are like, if you want to go home, if you want to take a half day off, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. And we're seeing it across a lot of organizations. And we're going to, you mean like the flexibility of working from home, it's, it's also great. Like not everyone has to go to the office full time, which is like, you know, sometimes you feel like I'm more productive at home. Yeah, <laughs> and <sometimes>. it's okay. <laughs> sometimes you have to do laundry. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just have to stay in your pajamas. Yeah. Like, that's okay. <laughs> it's good for my mental health. It is. It is. <laughs> Would you want to talk a little bit about your work with the YMCA? Yeah. Um, so I recently joined, well, not recently, it's been a year and a half since I joined the board for the um, YMCA of Greater Halifax and Dartmouth, and it's just been an amazing journey. And I um, became the, the chair of their very first youth advisory committee, and that mental health is actually a big topic um, for that committee and the youth, you mean, and how can we further support youth because the YMCA it's it's not just that building you see here downtown do you mean it has many services you know it has immigration services has the community Y which is um, doing such an incredible job do you mean it has Big Cove camp and it has employment services so it just goes way beyond the just a gym a, a gym yeah um, <laughs> and it's it was kind of like a learning for me I mean seeing all these supports that the YMCA does and then we started this youth advisory committee with the purpose of supporting further the youth. I mean, and voicing youth concerns um, to the board, um, but also seeing what we can, like, what changes we can make, um, basically. So conversations happened throughout the first year for the youth advisory committee, but this year we actually, now that COVID has kind of like passed, um, gone a little bit, and there's not much restrictions. We're um, this group, which is like 10 um, youth from different ages. So we have people from high school to still in university to postgraduate. So like that youth combination mm-hmm. going to the different services. So some people go to community wide, the employment center and hearing about like actual youth um, in the community and then bringing those forward and seeing like what needs to change. You know, you know, the gap that we saw was mental health. Like there's not much mental health services out there for for youth. You mean it? Mental health services doesn't have to be kind of like a platform um, that you do some quizzes, but it's also like, you mean like a safe spaces across uh, the city that not just going exercises, but sometimes you just want to go and meet new people. Sometimes yeah. you just want to go have a movie night. Um, so it's creating those safe spaces across the YMCA. I think it's very important right now for the youth. Yeah. And, and like we were talking about before, COVID pandemic, and, and especially if you're in high school or junior high or even a university student, I imagine it would have been pretty lonely you know you're going through this rite of passage this big stage in your life and you can't have those experiences like someone did four years before or you have that disconnect maybe a little bit and that's so important you mean like you were stuck at home basically Mm -hmm. and sometimes home it's not the best place to be for a lot of people so we have to consider that as well and seeing like what where can we create those safe spaces if home is not a safe space Mm mm-hmm what advice would you give someone who is thinking about moving to Atlantic Canada, whether to be an international student or just someone who's looking to, you know, move from a different country? I would say Atlantic Canada is a hidden gem for sure. Um, I don't think many people across the like world know about Atlantic Canada until you have to move out of your country. Mm-hmm. I think Atlantic Canada welcomes so many immigrants, do you mean, um, that they're trying to find a new home, a new journey, but... I feel like if if you're trying to find a new career or a new move or a change and wherever you are around the world, like this is the place. It's just so welcoming and it just like it, it meets you kind of where you are. You can start, you know, like very low in your career or you can start very high in your career. I think this is the perfect place for 
people to see like, I mean, even if you're 10 years in your career and you want to become someone big, mm-hmm. piece by chocolate, perfect example. Yeah. I mean, great immigrant, great immigration story. But then we also have so many immigrants that are just starting their career and they're making big moves here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say like, this is, this is the place to be and don't be scared. Do you mean like that is, that it's Canada. That it's igloos <laughs> and it's penguins. Igloos and penguins. Don't be scared. It's, it's going to be fine, you know, like, and like, there's going to be ups and downs everywhere you go, but it's not that bad. We don't have Calgary weather. Like, <laughs> we're not minus 20. We're, we're, the wind will kill you, but it's, yeah. the summer will make up for it. Exactly. Yeah. A very short summer. <laughs> a little bit longer. <laughs> What's next for you? Uh, it's, uh, it's so many things I have in mind, but I, yeah, currently in national public relations, I, I help my partner start a new business, Nova Glamping. Um, and the, but I also for sure YMCA continuing with them in the youth work, but I also, I always wanted to start a charity, um, that will help youth here in, um, in Nova Scotia, but also youth in Honduras. So trying to figure that out and how that's going to look like, but hopefully, um, that's coming up in the future, um, and passion project of mine and who knows. Uh, a coffee shop was always a dream of mine as well. Hunter and you're coffee shop. all over the place. So there's a lot of things <laughs> happening in my mind. And who knows? But isn't that the beauty we'll of, see. you know, of that opportunities, exactly. right? Exactly. Like, yeah. I can make that ha- things happen. Yeah. I mean, I can actually start a coffee shop here. And I can actually, like, there's no barriers as an immigrant for mm-hmm. me to be able to say, no, I can't do this. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mary, and thank you to everyone joining us today for this episode of Our Guest Is. If you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe. You can find us on MyEastCoastExperience.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube. Plus, don't forget you can follow My East Coast Experience on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thanks again, and hope you join us for our next episode.